is the final message, if you will, the final installment of our Rebuilding Ruins series, which is rebuilding by grace. Rebuilding by grace. And I pray that today as we look at this, that there will be burdens lifted off of your shoulders, that our eyes will be taken off of ourself, and it will be cast firmly onto the one and only who is able to rebuild these ruins. And uh, we will walk from this place prepared to follow Jesus into what he's doing, which is rebuilding ruins by his grace. And so could we just begin with praying? Lord, we thank you for the privilege and honor that it is to partner with you, to be called by you, to be saved by your grace, and to be called by your grace. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would, uh, with the ruins in our own personal lives, that you would speak to those places, that you would ignite faith, that you would cause us to see them the way you see them, as defeated, as, oh, as, as uh, uh, with victory, and with your dominion and your power, and that you would also ignite in us your passion that sent you to save all who would be saved, that you would ignite a passion in our hearts by that same grace to send us to herald and be a part of what you're doing in heralding your gospel message, which rebuilds ruins in other people's lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Last week, thank you, Rodney. Rodney shared with us and uh, kind of defined some things and, and reminded us of some definitions um, of rebuilding ruins to make it clear. And he, d he defined ruins as, um, as things that are in, would you stop it? How do you do this thing? Okay, ruins as things that are in disrepair or a state of decay. So I'm sure some of us can identify with things that are in, uh, are in disrepair or a state of decay. Uh, can I maybe mention some possible ideas of what that could be? It could be uh, broken relationships that exist inside in our lives. It could be failed careers. It could be a sense of failed parenting. It could be addictions. It could be toxic behaviors. It could be patterns of sin. This is what we're talking about when we talk about ruins. It could be broken marriage. It could be failed ministry or the sense of failed ministry. It could be living people beyond ourselves that we encounter who are living without knowing the one who made them which is the greatest ruin that exists on our planet. It could be living a life outside of our actual calling. That's a ruin. So that's what ruins are. What is rebuilding ruins? It is returning to Jesus what has been broken so that it is restored under his leadership to do his will for his purpose, with his favor, power, and presence. What we're saying is rebuilding ruins is simply that there are things all around us, even in us, the church, that are not aligned with Jesus. 
that in and of itself is, by definition, a ruin. It is a result of the fall, and our calling is to rebuild ruins. And as we're going to look at today, we do it by His grace, not of our own strength. It's by His grace. And uh, again, I'm praying that today that, that that reality gets infused into our belief system and we're able to be free today and marching from this place in freedom to partner with what he's doing by his grace. So sometimes as we're in this season of rebuilding ruins, I think sometimes we can find ourselves struggling with grappling with rebuilding ruins. So let me give you uh, some examples of what that struggle could look like. Some of us are so used to doing life in our own strength that we are grappling with the reality of rebuilding ruins because we are so used to doing things in our strength and we look at the ruins and it's beyond our strength. Some of us are okay with our ruins. We become so used to the ruins Maybe it's the environment we've grown up in. Maybe it's just the way our household or our life has always operated, and we've just basically been okay with it. We have lost sight of what Jesus told us when he taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. And we're just okay with something that is far inferior to the reality of God's kingdom as it is to be in our life. That is our true home, my friends, is the kingdom. And, and, and to live for the manifestation of it in our lives. Some of us have gotten into the habit of excusing the ruins. In fact, using the very theme that we're talking about today, grace. Oh, we all have problems. Oh, all of us, if, if we're real, I mean, we want to be real, right? So, I mean, we all have issues. Yes, we do all have issues, but we don't excuse it or cater to it or, like, allow it that we allow God's mourning over the issues to drive us to find his grace to change the issues, not just say, oh, well, let's just kind of do this because we all have issues. Some of us perhaps uh, have, are struggling in not releasing. We're trying to control. And we can't allow God to rebuild ruins because, in fact, only he can do it because we are trying to control. We're not releasing it. And some of us, perhaps, we are fully prepared. We're excited about rebuilding ruins. We're just looking at what it's going to cost us and the adjustments, and we're a little bit concerned. And so let's dig into this, re regardless of which of those, if any, apply to you, and look at what it is to rebuild by grace. Are you ready? Great. <laughs> I am. Grace, the Easton's Bible Dictionary, would define it using these words. Favor kindness, friendship, God's forgiving mercy, gifts freely bestowed by God. Favor, kindness, friendship, God's forgiving mercy, gifts freely bestowed by God. That's just to give us kind of an idea of what we're talking about when we say rebuilding by grace. And today what we're, what the, here's the basic idea of what we're going to look at over the few minutes is, one, what grace does. Two, what grace doesn't do. And three, how to access grace. 
what grace does to what grace doesn't do and then how to access grace. Can I just go ahead and say what grace does? Grace covers what needs to be rebuilt. Another thing that grace does, or, or I could say it covers our ruins. Another thing is that grace enables us to rebuild ruins. Can I say what grace doesn't do? Grace does not leave us in ruins. And then we access grace by faith. I know it's simple, and it should be simple. Just because it's simple doesn't mean we're all actually doing it. If you'll turn with me, if you have a Bible, look at Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah, chapter 4. Zechariah was a prophet during the time of Judah's rebuilding of ruins. He prophesied during the time of Zerubbabel. Not that that necessarily clarifies it for m- most of us. And, um, and, uh, and Haggai, the prophet. And in Zechariah chapter 4, the prophet is giving a prophecy, and we're actually going to look at verse 9 and then look at earlier verses, verses 6 and 7. And if you'll look with me in verse 9 of Zechariah, I want you to pay close attention because we're talking about here a moment in time when the temple was being rebuilt by the people of God. And this is what the Lord said through Zechariah, the hands of Zerubbabel. I want you to pay close attention to that. Pay, note that. The hands. Can you say the hands? The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands, can you say hands? Just to get you involved. Good. His hands shall also finish it, and then you will know the Lord of hosts has sent me uh, to you. So two things we want to point out here. What we are talking about is the temple project, the temple itself being rebuilt, and the beginning of it, and the completion of it in one generation. That's what the prophet means by the hands of Zerubbabel will start it and the hands will finish it. It means the same man, one generation, building project will be completed. Make sense? But uh, the second thing I want to point out, as I asked you to note, is the hands. Now, when we're talking about the grace of God, I thought that we just said that the grace of God means God's grace is accomplishing it. So now we're talking about the hands of Zerubbabel. Is it God's grace or is it our hands that rebuilds the temple? Anybody have an idea of the answer to that? Is it God's grace or is it Zerubbabel's hands or our hands for that matter? The answer, as if you know me well enough, would be yes. The answer is God's grace operates through our acts of faith. Without an act of faith, there is no release of the grace of God that is, in fact, within us if we would just step into it. It's by Zerubbabel's hands that we see the temple rebuilt. And if you'll go with me up a few verses to verse 6, now having knowing that we're, we're talking about the rebuilding of the temple, let's look at what the, what the word of the Lord is to us. Verse 6, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. You can put your own name in there because you, just like Zerubbabel, are called to rebuild. This is the word of the Lord to Priscilla. This is the word of the Lord to Paul. Nichols. <laughs> this is the word of the Lord to Rodney Lloyd. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, 
This is recipe, says the Lord of hosts. This is recipe for how the, the ruins, the temple, the ruins are rebuilt, not by might, not by power, by my spirit. Verse 7, who are you, O great mountain? That's not talking about an actual mountain. That's talking about an obstacle that is so big it seems like a mountain. And when it's not by human might nor by human power, but by God's spirit, the question is, who are you, O great mountain? What is your mountain in your rebuilding of ruins, by the way? Don't answer me, please. Think about your mountain and, and ask the mountain this question. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. You shall be removed out of the way. And he, Zerubbabel, shall bring forth the capstone. What is the capstone? It is the final piece of the rebuilding project. He shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. How is this rebuilding project completed from start to finish? Grace. Grace. It happens by God's grace. And so having said that, let's look at what does grace do? Here's a little sequence that I have for us this morning. You ready for it? Grace covers our ruins. Grace covers our ruins. Next point. So we can access God. Grace covers our ruins. That's the first thing it does. It does that so we can access God. Why is that? Because our ruins, i.e. our sin and and the effects of sin, would make it so that we don't have access to God. Grace covers us so we access God, so that thirdly, so he can help us rebuild ruins. Grace covers our ruins, so we access God, so he can help us rebuild ruins, which, fourth point, happens by the empowerment of his grace. Do you see how this thing begins and ends with grace? Grace covers our ruins so we can access God so that he can help us rebuild ruins, which actually happens by his grace. Top to bottom, left to right, beginning to end, it is by grace. Grace covers our ruins. Would you look with me in the book of Romans, chapter 5, starting in verse 12? Romans. So we're talking about New Testament now. Go past the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Go past the book of Acts, and then you will hit Romans. Take a right and go to chapter 5. And go to find yourself at verse 12, and we're going to look at uh, this verse, and then we'll jump down to another verse. Just want to set some context here. Paul's saying a lot of things here. This is a juicy chapter that digs into the reality of the grace of God. And in verse 12, Paul says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. We're talking about this one man. I don't know if you caught this, but the one man he's talking about is Adam. Adam is the one man through which sin enters the world. We find that in uh, Genesis chapter 3. He eats the forbidden fruit and sin enters the world. And Paul says death 
through sin, just like God warned him that if you eat the fruit, you surely will die. And in fact, he didn't die in the moment of the eating, but death came into the world through that. And can I say more broadly, all of sin and its effects. And many of you, we have become so used to living in a world laden with sin that we don't even think much of it. But the issues that become what we know as ruins all stem from sin. Without sin, there would be no ruins to rebuild. And that is important to note if we want to begin rebuilding ruins is to know at some point there is probably sin that is the gateway allowing the whatever is working to create these ruins, allowing it in. Just because God covers my sin so that I have access does not mean that my present sin isn't opening a door for something to create ruins. Are you hearing me? The grace of God that covers my sin is the same grace that causes me to become more and more righteous in reality so that all doors are shut. I hope I'm making sense. Boom. The same grace that covers my sin is the same grace that actually enables me to live more and more righteously so that any door giving access to evil is shut. So that these ruins aren't a reality anymore. And do you know that we actually can live without the ruins? I want to speak that over us today. We can live without the ruins. In so much as what we are living for is his will. It's his kingdom come. His kingdom does not include ruins. The, our problem in the church is that we, ha we have our will, and we're wanting God to bless that. But if we would live to his will, anyways, let's go back here. <laughs> that's, that's the context. If you would drop with me down to verse 17. I just want to make this simple, hopefully. For if by one man's offense, who's the one man? Thank you, Nita, Adam. For if by Adam's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. What I'm wanting to say here is what does grace do? It gives a gift, and that gift is called righteousness. Guys, I know we may have heard this. Maybe we haven't, but I, please hear this. Grace gives a gift, and it is called righteousness. And it has twofold. One is that it cloaks us with the righteousness of Jesus as in the way God looks at us. It's what we call imputed righteousness, which would mean at like a, uh, uh, perhaps a jury conferring upon a defendant that they are not guilty. It would be that God, the judge, conferring upon us not guilty, even though we are. <laughs> in other words, even though we do have unrighteousness in us, grace confers upon us the, um, the uh, verdict of being righteous, of being justified. But it also puts righteousness inside of us. The Spirit of God dwells inside of us, and the Spirit of God is holy. We have holiness in us. We have a sin nature, right, Mickey? 
right, right now, we've got a sin nature. Even though we're Christians and saved and loving Jesus, sin nature is still there. Holiness is also inside of us. And the goal of the believer is to not live according to our sin nature, but to live totally consecrated to Jesus, giving him our total heart and his Holy Spirit having his way, which is holiness. It's his perfect will happening more and more through our lives. So a couple points we want to say here. Number one, sin is the cause of our ruins. If we want to see rebuilding, we need to identify what the enemy is. There could be either sins that are operating in us that are causing ruins or perhaps other people's sin and the way that they have things that they have done to us that has caused ruins in our life or it could be things that have happened to us and our sinful response to those things that have caused us to not trust people anymore, to not trust God, to not trust whatever that is. And what is sin, by the way? According to the same book that we're reading, because I want to make sure that we're clear, we're not just talking about sin is going down to the brothel or sin is going and shooting up heroin. Yes, that is sin. <laughs> Let's make that clear. But sin is way broader than that. Sin is whatever is not of faith. Romans 14, I believe, that's where you can find that. Whatever is not of faith. So in other words, anything that is not connected with God through faith, that is not connected with him, all of that is sin. The goal of the believer, again, is to live life perfectly and totally connected with God. That's the journey that we begin the moment we receive Jesus. Is a life of shooting to where we no longer exist. We could say with Paul the Apostle, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved, him, loved me and gave himself up for me. That's our goal. Am I making sense? Doesn't, so sin is, is the cause of our ruins. Second point that we want to make from this little scripture we read, grace makes us righteous. And that righteousness saves us. It's a saving grace that makes us righteous so that we can be saved, but it's also an enabling grace that gives us the ability to begin walking out God's perfect will. When I say that, just let me remind, we're all works in progress. It doesn't mean the moment you get saved, you are going to walk completely, perfectly in God's will. We're all on a journey. We're all works in progress. But that is, to be sure, what we're doing. That's the goal we're reaching. That's, the, that's where we're headed. All of what I just said, grace making us righteous, is so we can have access to God. If you can turn with me, we'll just go there real quick, and if you can't, that's, I guess, okay, but Hebrews chapter 10 and then Hebrews chapter 4, I just want to read this passage so that we hear it. Hebrews 10 verse 19, therefore, brothers, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That's grace. Boldness to enter the holiest. Why do we have boldness? Because grace has made us righteous. If you feel timid in approaching God because you know you have not done everything right, because you know you have these problems, 
God's grace has made you as though that is no longer a barrier before you and God. You can therefore go to him. However, you don't go to him because all these issues in your life and all these sins in your life are okay. You go to him boldly so that you can find help, not so that you can be accepted, but because you want to live in his will and get help to do that and to rebuild these things that are ruins. So having said that, go with me to Hebrews chapter 4. And the next thing that we want to hear about grace, we just said that grace covers our ruins. Grace helps us rebuild our ruins. Where do I get that? Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly, here's that same idea again, to the what? Throne of grace. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. I thought we already have grace. We do have grace. It covers us so that we can go to the throne. But what happens at the throne of grace? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 4, verse 16. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I would say maybe we could take a little liberty and say our time of need would be our ruins. Come boldly to the throne of grace so that we can obtain mercy and find grace to help in our ruins. To rebuild ruins. Grace helps. And with that said, I'm going to ask two helpers to come up. John, David, and Peter. We're going to illustrate this uh, biblical reality with uh, some special effects this morning. Can we have this ba bag here? I just need, oh, sorry, not Peter, Ninda. Okay, why not? <laughs> I, I, I walked through Minda with it, the idea of what to do. Do you kind of know what to do? Here, why don't, why don't, okay. Well, actually, you take the, uh, okay, so this here is Jesus. And this guy is just the guy that's going to hold the microphone for me. This is Jesus here. Now, uh, Jesus, if you could stand over here. And I am any of us. I'm me, I'm you, I'm just one of us. And, uh, and you know, this shirt that I'm wearing it, and this clothes, it represents my, well, as, as Rodney likes to say, our, our body is our earth suit. You know, when you go to outer space, you wear a space suit. And here on earth, we have an earth suit. It's our body. And the Bible says that in our body dwells our flesh. Our body dwells sin. Sin dwells in our flesh. So this is my sin, right? This is my, this, these clothes are my sin. It's black. It's, it's dark. It's, you know, and, um, and so I'm walking around with this sin, and other people have their sin, and you know what happens as a result of all that? Can you hear me? <laughs> and so my sin produces ruins. How's that for ruins? So my sin produces ruins, and uh, I don't know about you, but with my ruins, sometimes I feel like I'm walking around and I look something like this. You know, like you go to work and you've got your issues, and uh, and you, you know, and it's not it's not even just your 
physical appearance. It's like the condition of your heart. It's you just don't look the way you're supposed to look. You're not living the way you're supposed to living. Perhaps it's your toxic behavior. Maybe it's your sin patterns, whatever. So I've got my sin, right? And it's producing my ruins. And this is not good, is it? Like it was, something's got to be done with this. I don't know what to do. And uh, and so uh, I'm, I'm just going through life. And uh, Jesus, maybe hold this out for us here, if you would. I'm, yeah, like, like in a cross. Like Jesus on a cross, right? That's cool, yeah. And uh, so I'm just going around. I don't know really what to do about this. I don't even know if anything can be done about it. But then the eyes of my heart see Jesus. And I see him there. His arms are spread out just like they were on the cross. And I realize that this one died for this, that has created this. And I realize that if I want to deal with this stuff, the scripture says that I need to receive his gift and to call upon him as Lord. And so I come to him and I realize I've reached the end of myself and I bend my knee and I surrender to this one who is Lord. And what does he do? He takes grace <laughs> and he covers me in it. And he covers me in it. I don't know if you can see my shirt, can you? Yeah, you shouldn't be able to. Can you help me, Jesus? Help me, Jesus. Seriously, I need help. I just covered my shirt. So this is grace, which is now covering my sin. Because I have this, I now have access to this guy. I can follow him. He can, you can let go. I can, I can follow him. I can, I can hear his voice. I've got access to him. But you know what happens? Sometimes I kind of turn away from Jesus. Am I still wearing the grace? You know, I still have the work that he's done. I've received it. But I'm not really facing him anymore. And you know what I still have on me? This thing. Because this is still here, isn't it? It's covered. I have access. He's not seeing this. He's looking at this. But it's still there. And this hasn't been dealt with. And so I've turned my back on him and I'm doing this thing and I'm loving life. I'm covered in his blood. Hallelujah. I've got the grace of God. But I'm not actually following him. And after a while, I get sick of this. Because there is an inconsistency between the scriptures and this thing that's been on my head. And eventually I realize, you know what? I need to follow him. This grace that I have is to come to him. Here, let's get closer this way. Is to come to him, and so I surrender myself to him, and he takes my hands. Whose hands is it, by the way? My hands, but who's guiding my hands? He takes my hands and does a work in it where he works in my life to remove the ruins that have been created. And now I've got, I've got uh, grace. 
And Mickey over there, Mickey puts the mask on because he's got ruins as well. And, and Jesus, I'm just following Jesus. And Jesus now, now he's leading me to be able to help my brother out over here. And now I'm helping to rebuild ruins not only in my life, but in, awesome, but in, in other people's lives. Does that make sense? This is the work of grace. It happens in the context of the leadership of Jesus. And so grace empowers our, our rebuilding. Um, 1 Corinthians 15.10, and, and uh, just touch on this quickly. 1 Corinthians 15.10, grace empowers our rebuilding. So we've said that grace covers our rebuilding. Grace helps us rebuild our ruins. Grace empowers our rebuilding. Paul said it this way, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. What was Paul? He was an apostle. We think, wow, Paul was so amazing. Paul this, Paul that. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Look at all the churches he planted. Look at all the disciples he made. From Paul's perspective, all of what he did was because of who God made him to be, and it was God's grace, not his own virtue, not his own ability. The only thing Paul had to bring to the table was faith. And even that's a gift from God. But it was, it's a choice, it's a decision to choose to believe God and to act on what you believe, and that's where the grace of God hits you to do and be who you are called to be. By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. Can I say something to us this morning that would suggest God's grace can be in vain? Why, because God did something wrong? No, because we haven't used and stepped in by faith into the grace to use the grace. We can receive grace and it accomplished nothing because we're not stepping in by faith. So it was not in vain, but what happened? But I labored. Grace causes you to labor. You may say, oh, I don't want to labor. Yes, you do. You do want to labor in grace. It is sweet. It is refreshing. It is not a labor of your own strength. It is infused with the power of the one who spoke the earth into being. The one who has all might, dominion, and power flowing through you. That is what grace does. Oh, yes, it does cause you to labor. But you don't get weary from that kind of labor, my friends. I labored more abundantly than they all. What all? The other apostles, yet not I, the grace of God, which was within me. See, that grace covers me so I have access to him, but it also works in me to become who I am called to be, even while I still have this sin nature. And I'm going to have this sin nature until the day that Jesus returns or I die. One, I will have it. But God's grace causes me to be transformed into his image and to become fully who I am called to be by his grace. As you access Jesus by, because of grace, he is going to lead you. You don't just have fellowship with Jesus for the sake of fellowship with Jesus. You seek him so that you find him and he is the leader. He's going to lead you. Remember we did that series on hearing the shepherd's voice, hearing his voice? That's because he wants to lead you as the shepherd. As you access him, he is going to lead you. And when you hear his voice and step into what he's saying, he empowers you by his grace. 
I'll, can I tell you a little story quickly? Uh, it was March of 2016, and I had the incredible honor of preaching at a, at a province. I was in Johannesburg, and, and there was a monthly gathering of all the NCMI partnering ch- uh, pastors, all the pastoral team and the lead pastors. We would gather together once a month. And in Johannesburg, that's a whole lot of churches because that's where NCMI started. And, uh, and I had the privilege of being the one to speak to that gathering in March of 2016. And uh, as I was speaking, I felt like I had a word from God. I was, I was sharing it, and uh, it was as though I was preaching to myself. I felt, I felt vulnerable, and I didn't know what was going on. It was not a good feeling. It was like something is off. Something is not right. I went home, and I... Uh, and I hit the, I, I continued to have this feeling, and I actually felt like I had to clear the rest of my calendar for that afternoon. I'm going to pray, and I'm not going to s- get up from my prayer until I know what God is trying to do with me, because he's doing something. I don't know what it is. Now, a little context, before, le- the, about a year or so before that day, was God had bo- spoken to me and Amanda, independent of one another, that he is beginning to prepare us to relocate back to America. And um, we knew that, and we knew that our act of obedience was to prepare to make a transition. Uh, One of the biggest steps of which would be finding who is going to succeed me as the lead pastor of the church and to make a successful transition and to prepare the church for that and all that. We had a particular guy earlier, about a year before this, that we thought was the dude. I mean, he, he, he met all the criteria. He was perfect for that area. All the stuff that we know about that kind of the demographic of that area, this guy was the perfect one. He was the choice. And we kind of did the, the little waltz with him as far as like kind of we had him come preach and we had conversations and talked to him and his wife. And eventually we talked to them and said, hey, look, here, God's sending us back to America we feel like you might be the one to take the church. What do you think? Can you pray about it? And, and he and his wife went, and they prayed about it, and about two weeks later came back and said, no, <laughs> we don't feel, feel it. Are we? And this was like several months of a journey. And at the end of that journey, I was like, I, don't, I literally don't know what to do. And so this was my response. I was going to be, and this is a very holy spiritual response, by the way. I said, if, if God's going to do it, then God's going to have to make it happen. You ever, you ever uh, done, tried doing that? God's going to do it. God's going to make it happen. So I'm not going to try to make this happen. I don't know who the next person is. I, I don't know, but if it's so important to God, he's going to have to speak to me and show me, reveal to me who the next person is because we have searched through every possibility that we can think of and nobody seems to come to mind. Fast forward to March 2016. Remember that prayer I preached and then I went back and I had to hit the, hit the office floor praying? I prayed that day. And God said to me, he didn't say this to me, but he said it to me. You know what I'm saying? He didn't say these words, but I just knew in my knowing. You need to go find who the, the person who's going to succeed you. God, I don't know who it is. Show me who. You need to go find him. In other words, by Zerubbabel's hands, this temple will be rebuilt. I'll do it. You need to go act in faith and in obedience. And don't let this setback, this wall, this mountain that has come in front of you of 
hearing a rejection from this person and, 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 and a no and, and let that be the thing that stops you. You actually need to go find the person. I don't understand how all this stuff works. I just know what happened. And uh, that day, I said, okay, I'm going to do something. I don't know what. So what I did is I call up Ashley, who's the lead pastor of the church that the guy, Mark, that I had been looking at, pastor, and I had a breakfast with him, and I told him what I'm feeling, and it was kind of like, are you sure Mark isn't the right guy? And he's like, dude, he doesn't, it's not going to happen, man. I'm like, but I don't know what to do, Ash. Just help me. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't quite like that, but not outwardly, but inwardly it was. And, uh, and Ash gave me a terrible piece of advice. It was not of God, but it included a little bit, a little detail that led me to what God had for me. He had this idea of what I should do with this other pastor, Greg Garrett, in, in, in East Johannesburg and all this stuff. But, and he said, ta- he thought I should, like, amalgamate with Greg's church and all this stuff. But when he said Greg Garrett, when I started thinking about calling Greg, I realized, oh, my gosh. I've never even thought of them because he, last I knew, he doesn't think that he's called to lead a church. But Anton and Ange Kinder are on Greg's pastoral team. They would be perfect. And then I realized, oh, I heard, Anton told me he feels like there's a transition happening in his ministry and God's got something new for him. We started realizing, oh my gosh. So I called Greg and we have a breakfast. I said, Greg, here's what happened. God's calling us to America. We don't know. It's March of 2016. We don't know what, but I, we're actually feeling Anton and Ange Cater could be the ones. What do you think? He said, dude, uh, I used to think that they were not supposed to lead a church that he's just like a, per- you guys know Anton and Ange, right? They came here, prophetic guy, and it was kind of like he's just supposed to be a prophet and just kind of stir revival in churches and do his thing and not really called to pastor and shepherd people, but uh, he said, I feel like God's shown me that he is supposed to do that, and I thought it was maybe a few years down the road, but I'm feeling in my, in my spirit this could be actually of God, and so he gave me permission to talk to Anton and Ange Cater. So Minda and I sit down at lunch with Anton and Ange Cater, explain the whole thing to them, and uh, Anton kind of, you know, you could see him, he's like shaking, you know, oh my gosh, and, and he, but he looks at Ange, and they like smile at each other, and he looks at me and says, earlier this week, the Lord spoke to my heart, and said, someone is going to offer a church to you, and you need to take it. Greg, if you go back to Greg, the the pastor he was serving with, when I had that breakfast with Greg, he said, when are you moving to America? And I said, well, <laughs> I think October. Mind you, this is March. He's like, oh, how are you going to survive? I don't know. I said, uh, there's a church in the suburbs of Detroit. They want to have us be a part of their conference, and the pastor feels like that would be a platform to encourage other people to maybe help me with my church plant in the, in the city of Detroit. This is where Mickey McCart comes into the picture. And so Greg agreed to release Anton and Ange and to continue to pay their salary through the end of that year so that that church that we were leading could continue to pay us a salary as we got started. And this is how Border City Church, or at least a part of the story of how Border City Church began. What is my point? 
the grace to cause all that God stuff to happen was bottled up in my, oh, I'll let God do it. I'll wait for God to show me. God reveals his will. Oftentimes we don't steal. I wasn't stealing anything about finding the next successor. I didn't have any unction. I didn't feel any feelings. I wasn't feeling led to this guy or that guy. I had no idea. But I knew God had spoken something. My hands needed to go put faith steps. And God opened up all this stuff right in front of me, a script that I could have never written in a million years. That is how this thing is done. That is how ruins are rebuilt. So what does grace not do? Because of time, I'm not going to go through it all, but let me just say grace does not leave us in our ruins. Paul says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? Grace does not leave us in our ruins. And let me ask us the question, what if Zerubbabel had taken the approach that, oh, God understands we all have issues, the temple needs to be rebuilt, but God understands. What if he had taken that approach that we all have issues? The temple never would have been rebuilt. Yes, we do all have issues, and God is here to bring his kingdom into our issues if we will act in obedience. So how do we rebuild by grace? Again, I'm not going to go into it. Let me just say it. Romans 5, 2 through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Can you just indulge me just to use one illustration and then we're going to pray and end. Let's say he says access by faith into this grace in which we stand. It's almost like grace is a room that we stand in. And let's take this room in here. And in this room... There is worship that happens. There's prayer that happens. There's the declaration of God's word that happens in this room, right? Let's call this room grace. How did you, and let's say that even though these doors are open, let's say outside of those doors right there, nothing can be heard, nothing could be experienced. Anything happening in here does not even get experienced at all outside of those doors. This is grace. How did you enter into the room of grace today you took a step right took a step it's actually not that hard you took it i mean it, it, that particular step isn't hard but you took a step and that is actually what how you access grace you have access by faith faith without works is dead Faith requires action. Without, without action, there is no actual living faith. It's the action, it's the step, it's the decision that makes faith activate grace. And grace is the divine favor and power of God to do God's will. It just requires a step. And so let's, let's, let's end this series by 
making some decisions right now. There are rebuilt ruins that need to be rebuilt in our own lives, and there's also ruins that we're called to rebuild. This church, never mind the world around us, this church isn't where it needs to be. Not to condemn ourselves, I would imagine there are more people that we can be reaching. <laughs> I would imagine there's more of the anointing that we can tap into. I would imagine there's more gifts inside of those sitting here that need to come up and actually find their full expression in the call of God. There's also marriage things that need to be restored, and there's addiction stuff, and there's whatever else that could be applicable, all that personal stuff as well. To those of us who are doing it in our own strength, I want to suggest this morning, can we go to Jesus? Can we go to Jesus? And, and actually, as I did with John David, who was Jesus earlier, just follow his leadership. Stop trying to do it on our own and just follow his leadership. Just throw ourselves upon what he's saying. To those of us who have become okay with ruins, we don't even realize that they're ruins. We don't even really care that they're ruins. Can I say, can we return today to our post of seeking his kingdom? That, that's what is our standard. It's his kingdom. Not the mediocrity and the failure and the, all the crud that, that is around us. It's his kingdom. To those of us who are excusing the ruins, oh, everybody's got issues and ruins, can I say, can we take faith steps of obedience to rebuild? To, their, to those of us who are prepared to rebuild, but maybe you're just stretched, can I just say trust? Let's pray.